PrepCon 2020, Marshall University's premier pop culture convention enters its sophomore year. March 14th, 2020. Come out and experience fandom, herb style, video games, comics, toys, cosplay, food vendors, and much more. At Marshall University, March 14th, 2020. Find us on Facebook or Google. PrepCon 2020 for more info. Welcome to Nerds of the Round Table, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And tonight, we're doing the news. The news. Sammy with special guests. Yes, we do have special guests. Now, those of you that have been listening to us for a while, you know that these two people have been on our show before. We love having them on because not only are they good friends, but you know they're great showrunners for their own personal shows, so it puts an interesting dynamic in their relationship. Uh, so we have our showrunners for HerdCon, Miss Heather Elise, and WheelCon, Mr. Jan- Jim Pagerello. So uh, welcome, folks. Hi. Hey. <laughs> All right, and you guys were on the Empire Strikes Back episode, right? Yes. If I remember correctly, so, so it's been a bit, so we're glad to have you back on. Um, and, I, and I have personally, so I have finally, me. I have just now recovered from Heather bashing Tombstone on that episode, so um, <laughs> we finally let her back on the show after that, so. Did you know that they're coming out with Tombstone Pops? Really? No. Yes. Oh, how nice. Target exclusive. They have a... Uh, at least one of them is. Yeah, and, uh, that's okay. uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Val Kilmer. Val Holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's <laughs> the one I would want. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're not here to talk Star Wars. We're not here to even to talk Tombstone. But we were getting into to a little bit of news, so let's run through the newsroom for the headline news. And since we've got Heather here with us, we're going to let her do a little bit of promo for HerdCon 2020. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We are looking forward to having our next HerdCon. It'll be on March 14th, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope to see you there. Um... Uh, it's going to be from 10 to 6, unless you're a gamer, and then it might drift out a little bit past 8, depending on what time the games run through. But the vendors will probably be packing up, honestly, probably closer to 5. But we're going to have gaming. Um, and by gaming, I mean electronic gaming, um, collectible cards, uh, board gaming, RPGs, you know, with dice and stuff, not with... Um, we are also, thank you, baby. Um, we are also going to have, um, vendors, artists, uh, exhibitors. We are going to have, um, uh, print makers. I mean, we're going to have all sorts of stuff, but most importantly, we are going to have son of Marshall, Marshall alumni, Bo Smith. 
Freedom awesome. Illinois Art. And oh. we are so proud to have him at our convention. Right. And you also have the nerds there. Oh, and we will <laughs> have the nerds. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, you were you were you're so nice to have us last year, you know, and it was really our first con as a podcast. And so that's been really special for us. And we talked about the energy that we felt from HerdCon being our first, and then honestly, WillCon being our second, you know, as a podcast being part of, and just the energy from both of those events. Uh, so we're really pleased to, to be back and excited to be able to uh, be a part of it, especially with Bo. So Bo's cool. Oh, I know, I know. I, I mean, I'm still finalizing arrangements to get you guys set up with him. Um, but if all goes well, cross fingers. <laughs> because right. you guys are the best foil for him. He is so down to earth. He's amazing. So, and he's got similar hairstyles to you guys. <laughs> he <laughs> <But> does. <poor> <laughs> well, speaking of HerdCon, you know, last year being our first con as a as a show, we we uh, you know reviewed Ghostbusters. There, there was so much to experience uh, there at Marshall University. It blew my mind, um, you know, from the gaming to, to we had game developers there. Um, even the food and music uh, was uh, amazing, and it was just so well-organized, such a, a, a home-felt, uh, hometown showing there. I, I truly, truly loved it and cannot wait uh, for this year. Right, and another thing, um, it's all going to be contained in the Student Center this year. Yes, we are not going to have any of it in Draco Library. We love Draco Library, but so do the people studying. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I I do have one question. Is the macaron truck back? Yes, and we are going to be on the additional trucks. Apparently, uh, Truck and Cheesy is going to be there. Um, We're... As, as far as I know, we're going to have six trucks now. So Sweet. we're becoming a little bit of a mini food truck festival, too. Right. But the macaron truck really was a highlight. The cosplay. <laughs> that thing was that, fantastic, that was, man. That was truly fantastic. Macarons are going to And it was well worth it, too. I'm not complaining. Well, well worth it. So not only do people need to bring their money for collectibles and purchases, they need to bring their money to eat well and celebrate all of this yes. variety of food trucks. Oh. Delicate French cookies, yes. Yes. <laughs> Family delicate French cookies. <laughs> Pastel colors. Two dollars um, a bite, pretty much. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of which, you bring your money to get a herd t-shirt. This year they're going to be I believe uh, they're going to be $15 for this year's T-shirt. And last year's T-shirt, we're still selling at a reduced price. Right. And if you haven't seen the pictures on Facebook, uh, it's got a great 80s theme. Um, it's Cthulhu in a, with an 80s uh, twist to it. It's, it's wonderful. That's the last year's. This year's has a dragon. Oh, it's a dragon with an 80s theme. It's okay. a dragon that looks like it's on a Tron background. Yes. Oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah, it's a sweet design. Oh, I've, I must have missed it on the Facebook page. Yeah, and for anyone listening, if you're not following HerdCon on Facebook or Instagram, you need to go do that and support this con. Oh, did you know that that uh, design for this year's design was by one of our own Marshall students? 
Awesome. Yeah, I had a design contest at the School of Art and Design, and we had several entrants, and we picked the best one. Wow. Check out our Facebook and see it. I think get one yourself. And if you are at all curious about HerdCon, the Facebook page has constant updates about who's going to be there and who's doing what, and so it really is informative. Yep. Yeah. Um, we have an official cosplayer in residence now, Nisha Ray. Oh, yeah, nice. saw that. Frog, Kiss Frog cosplay, and mm-hmm. she's she was also at Wilcon last year. Yeah. Yes. She's amazing. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Wilcon, um, Jim brought it up. Jim's here with us too. Jim, would you like to give a little bit of a preview for Wilcon as well? Well, we're quite a ways away. Uh, it's September 26, 2020, uh, at the Southside Mall again this year, which is nice. We have a venue in place. Um, we are, you know, it, it, we are about six months away, but I'd like to announce, uh, first, I think this is the first public announcement of it, uh, returning to Wilcon. Our first two years, we were, we had the privilege of hosting the, um, the reconditioned, uh, refurbished Green Goblin Head from Maximum Overdrive. We'd like to announce that Tim Shockey is bringing the Green Goblin Head back to Wilcon, uh, this year. Awesome. Uh, for Wilcon. And uh, nice. so, so we're, we're we might be um, going with the tagline uh, "Maximum Retro Drive" for, for this year. Ooh, I like it. And we have a couple of other ideas uh, in mind. Um, it, it's nice to have Tim Shockey back in the Green Goblin. Head. Green Goblin Head is a great, always a great attraction. Uh, but uh, we'll have some news as it comes out. But uh, our wheels are turning. Uh, we have about six months to prepare and. Uh, you know, it, it'll be a fun show. And I think having it in the mall again is, is great. We thank the Southside Mall for, for hosting us. And, uh, oh, and um, well, we can't do that yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, we, we look forward to having the nerds there and, and like to see some familiar faces. But, uh, and the thing I like best about HerdCon is that it's pretty much the beginning of show season. Uh, there's classic classics uh, next weekend in Parkersburg, um, but then from there on, it's it's shows, um, you know, sometimes twice a month. Yeah, up, yeah, yeah. Uh, up all through the summer and through September, so uh, we'll get to see some familiar faces and get reacquainted, and uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And you know, Wilcon's near the end of the season, so um, you know we have some time, but uh, we are excited that Jim Shockey's coming back with the Green Goblin head. Yeah, that's awesome. That that was such a big part of those first two years, wasn't it? Like you said, it was a big draw. A lot of people wanted to see that. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome that uh, yeah. we're getting you back. Mm-hmm. And after a year off, I think and I think they, there's some projects going on with Maximum Overdrive as well. I think there's a possible reboot coming out, and uh, it's all the better for us. Nice. Yeah. So, but otherwise, we're. I, I mean, I I don't know about. <laughs> I've talked to Sam a little bit about this. I think we're still all recovering from the deluge <laughs> of people that that came down uh, on the Southside Mall last September. Uh, it really was. Um, it was like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. it, it felt very 80s because that's what it was like in the 80s. <laughs> it was like a, a Black Friday uh, mall scene from the 80s. Yes, very much so. And uh, it was something that, 
you know, it, it, the show went well, but I explained, uh, we had a creative call out last week, and I explained how, how the whole day seemed to be hanging on a very delicate thread. And uh, fortunately, that thread didn't break, but it just felt that way for the entire eight hours you know, that we were, we were open. So. Yeah. 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 Now, Jim, along with uh, Wilcon, you're also starting up, you know, since this is a, we kind of do a movie podcast anyway, you're kind of starting a movie type of club in, in Williamson, aren't you yeah. also, sir? What I'd like to do is, a, it's it's called, the the project's called the Williamson Cine Club, and I chose that name specifically because it's, it sounds like Cynic Club, if you say that, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to discussing movies. Uh, really, what I want to form is a local society of music and food, music, movie and movie discussion, and uh, along with food. Uh, you know, we we want to. Um, I'd like to. We'd like to have a a group, a subscribe group, uh, so we can afford to pay for licensed movies. We'll have uh, a season that consists of maybe three to four movies within the span of four months, and we can have these events uh, with uh, where we. You have a uh, a curated lineup of movies, and we have uh, hopefully some uh, some good food to go with it, and just have an evening of watching movies and um, and discussing them afterwards. And uh, right now, uh, if you go to the Facebook page, Williamson Cine Club, uh, it has the details that we've we've hammered out so far. Uh, most likely, um, we are going to start with a season, a very broad uh, season. Um, of starting out with maybe a classic, a, um, a classic, a cult classic, a modern classic, and then uh, a modern, uh, uh, recent independent. I think uh, starting with those four would be a good variety and um, be a good way to integrate everybody into um, into the club. Uh, our our registration page is uh, link is up on our page right now. Uh, I told I once I initially announced that. Uh, once we hit 30 commitments, we'll go forward with uh, starting and planning the season. We're just about there. So awesome. um, I think just knowing personally who has who has and hasn't signed up, I think we'll actually reach some people that haven't signed up yet today. And I think we can hit that probably by the end of next week. So, nice. Yeah, we're now, one thing I'm really happy about is you use the word classic. Anytime I use the word classic, Jamie gets nervous. So, <laughs> I love classic and Jamie's don't don't jive exactly. So. Yeah, I mean the Princess Bride, and he means Flash Gordon. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean Heather's. Yeah. Well, the thing is, what we could do is, I mean, um, like for example, what I had in mind, like uh, for example, a uh, a classic. I would, I, you know, this is by no means fixed, but like say, start out with Rebels Out of Pause or Cool Hand Luke. And then maybe we do a Tarantino movie, and you know that would be your cult classic. And then something, you know, like a Princess Bride or or even Flash Gordon. I'll let you guys do, we'll, we'll all duke it out. But the thing is, everyone who joins will have a say, and you know we, we will run it by. It, it is not necessarily democracy because I don't necessarily believe in fully democratic processes, but. Since <laughs> I'm arranging it, I will make some executive decisions, but uh, everyone will well, have their voices will be heard. Well, yeah. GM, we both know what the cult class is going to be, don't we? It's going to be the Warriors, right? It, it's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
self-indulgent, you know, it's like, <laughs> it up to me, here's a, it would start out with like underrated high school movies. So I'd just start out with um, uh, Valley Girl and Heather's and Say Anything and, um, oh, and, uh, and Can't Buy Me Love, you know, but that's, you know, then that might be something that we can do later on, you know, but, uh, or uh, concurrently, if we can, if, you know, depending how many people sign up, because uh, the price point is going to be about $40 per season. And we think that's fair. It w- it'll work out to be maybe ten dollars a movie, uh, plus food um, that we ha- that we provide for the club, and it'll allow for walk-up sales, you know, at a significantly higher price than what club members pay. So, um, you know, and we'll do pre-sales for those tickets as well. And uh, we just want to, you know, we'll, we want to have it be sustainable. And uh, but yeah, deciding the movies once we start is going to be the fun process, you know, because. Cool. Well, I look forward to hearing what the other three movies are going to be besides the Warriors. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know how much fun it would be. For, I mean, I could, I mean I, if you sat me down, I could really start to recite, you know, I could start to recite lines, and I could probably go far before, uh, you know, have to be correct, Dep- depending on the version, whether it's the TNT version or the, the regular version. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, you know, we've heard a lot of really great teases with HerdCon, with WheelCon, with the Williamson Cine Club, but um, Lucasfilm and Disney just dropped that big teaser on us that's shaken up Star Wars. So, uh, Dwayne, you know, you're a resident Star Wars guy, so... Uh, what are what are you thinking? What what's this big tease? Oh, I'm so excited to see uh, them delving, maybe not quite all the way back to the old Republic, but the High Republic, the height of the Republic era, uh, when the Jedi ruled uh, and the Senate, uh, you know, laid down the law. Uh, technology was flourishing. Uh, this is an era that has sorely been overlooked. I feel, uh, you know. Uh, in recent years and just so excited to see this. Um, I know there's been some speculation. Um, it's going to be games. It's going to be movies. It's going to be books, comics. It seems to me that it's going to be kind of a books and comics at first leading into, but I think we're going to get some steam in this era. And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have baby Yoda that we've had in the Mandalorian, <laughs> but it seems like we may be having a young uh, Yoda. <laughs> And two in the in the in the teaser and in some of the other information they've put out, the the list of creators who are in all involved in the initial launch, it's a really good crew. We've got Charles Soule writing the initial novel. I think it's sort of being the basis like, to, to launch the whole thing. You've got Daniel Jose Older writing the the uh, the young young reader edition, like the, the from the IDW Star Wars Adventures line of comics. Kevin mm-hmm. um, Scott, Kevin Scott. I'm not sure how you say that name. Um, I'm, I've got an Appalachian accent. It's fine. I, we butcher names. It's what we do. Uh, but he's going to be writing the main series at Marvel. And I've already seen some like the promotional art for that. It looks great, guys. It looks so good. And, you know, Scott also wrote the Ninth Doctor comic series for Titan. So uh, that's where I know his name from really well. So, But apparently the, um, the main storyline begins um, with some, uh, something like now, I think Dwayne maybe like has a guess about what it might be, but there's some threat coming from outside the the like the like the Republic. Like so, maybe it's that um, Yuzhan Vong thing you're always talking about. Something that, that, that like what are the Jedi scared of? And so it might be something that brings us to the fans of the old canon too. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if they're going along a similar storyline there. 
Yeah, it, it would be possible. And even if they did stay with kind of the lore, because there was some incursions, as you find out, uh, of the Yuzhan Long really early on, some very small things that they hadn't identified. So, yeah, it really uh, is, would be exciting to bring in something that is a true threat to the Jedi, you know, them being the superheroes of the Star Wars universe, essentially. Yeah. But as I, as I, I read a couple of articles about it, and the, the two analogies they were giving um, really got me excited. Um, they described it as Jedi Knights of the Round Table, um, which I love Arthurian anything, so that made me happy. But also, like the ones on the like the furthest reaches of the Outer Rim, like the edges of, of you know Jedi's territory, they call them like Jedi Texas Rangers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <so> <laughs> that kind of really awesome. Which is like the Wild Wild West. I think it's great. You know. Yeah. And um, but guys, the most important thing I noticed that made me really excited um, is the Wookiee Jedi. It's going to feature prominently. Yeah. Guys, there's a Wookiee Jedi. How awesome is that? <laughs> the Wookiees have always been a fan favorite with the big cuddly Chewbacca. Um, I love in the movies they talk about when everyone come by, they had to hug Chewbacca. And they said the costume was getting war from, from just everyone <laughs> hugging him. So, you know, if you have a, a, a Jedi Wookiee uh, kicking some serious tail, that's definitely going to be a fan fave. Well, I think and what I think is cool is, um, and something they said in the in the teaser, that you know they have they can do this along so many types of media. You know they can they can coordinate a storyline along the comics, along movies, among Disney Plus. Uh, there are just so many ways that yeah, you know, and they can actually. Um, oh my gosh. Jim, Jim, let the Wookiee win. Too bad this isn't a video podcast. Taylor has just retrieved a, an enormous um, Chewbacca plushy stuffed furry thing that makes noise. <laughs> and it is glorious. Oh. You know, what I'd seen, though, is the big launch date for this will be in August. Uh, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim will be really the big launch for all of these. So that'll give us something to look forward to um, to keep us, I guess, getting ready for Mandalorian in, in October and all that kind of stuff, right? Keep, keep us on the Star Wars train. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's looking all jelly. Well, uh, well, well, you know, with the uh, with the things going on uh, at at Disney, especially, we we do need reason to stay on the Star Wars train. Seems like a few people are jumping off. Forced <laughs> out. Jamie, what uh, what do you know about this situation? Well, um, it was announced that Bob Iger had stepped down. Um, not sure how much he's stepping away. Like, there's apparently going to be some level of involvement. I'm not sure if he's going on the board or what exactly his role is now, but the new head of Disney is a guy named Bob Chapek. I know I'm saying that wrong. Um, but I did a little bit digging into that because he seems to be um, less well-known um, than um, some of the other people that may have been in contention for the position. But he, he has been the director of Disney Parks um, for quite some time. And um, he's known for a couple of things. Um, which, by the way, I mean, losing Bob Iger, I mean, he's been great for Disney. Um, I mean, he oversaw the Star Wars purchase, you know, Marvel, Pixar, all. I mean, he's been great. Um, 
And so this is kind of uncharted territory, right? As much as, a, I mean, I always go on about the MCU on here, but, um, but I mean, that was under his watch. And the movies have been good. They've been very good. Um, and so what does that mean for Marvel, that kind of thing? And so I looked into Bob uh, uh, Chapek. I can't say that right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, like, he's known for two things. He's known for uh, high profitability, and people like that. The thing that's making like the like the Disney cult members nervous because they know about all these people. And I, I didn't know anything, so I had to do the research. He's known for cost cutting, like mm-hmm. dramatic cost cutting. Um, like when something comes under his purview, apparently he is known to just slash the budget. And so that is making a lot of the Disney fans like nervous. Like that maybe like he's gonna like maybe he'll say like okay let's not cast this famous person let's get this TV actor. Or, um, or okay, your budget for the next season of Falcon the Winter Soldier was, was four hundred million. Maybe it's going to be three hundred million this season, kind of thing. Like he's sort of famous for just radically cost cutting, and he was the one in charge of paring down the Galaxy's Edge uh, things at the at Disney Land of Disney World. Uh, he was the guy who who carved that down into a uh, more cost effective thing. And so that, that he, there are people who are excited about him being profitable for Disney, but he's making some hardcore Disney fans nervous. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was a big surprise with Iger, though. Remember, he was going to – I think I'd, I'd seen a report he was originally going to step down long before a lot of these acquisitions, and then they convinced him to stay on for Lucasfilm and then, then got him to stay on through the Fox uh, purchases and stuff. So, Plus, he did a memoir, so he's going out on a book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of, uh, you know, uh, budget cuts and, and, you know, cutting down, Sam, you are in the education system, so you're well used to that. So, you know, (laughs) diversity, you know, breeds creativity. And, you know, a very creative, uh, what do you call it, a very creative brand, kind Mm -hmm. of, DC, are having some shakeups of their own. Uh, definitely. So uh, I, I, I'm really interested to get uh, Jim's impression on this because we have discussed um, Dan DiDio before. Um, you know, Dan DiDio has been the co-publisher of DC Comics uh, since February 2010. So he's had about a 10-year run with DC at this point. Um, and all of a sudden, we get this big drop that um, he is no longer at DC. Um, I've heard conflicting reports as far as why, but Jim Lee, who is co-publisher, so I don't know how anybody feels about that. Uh, the <laughs> most recent graphically novel um, got me thinking about Lee a little bit more, I guess, uh, but is now kind of the full publisher at present. But Lee's been doing a lot of the kind of the entertainment side. He's been the liaison with uh, AT&T and Warner. So um, we don't know. Didio has so many things in place. And Jim, I know uh, as far as Didio goes, he's not really high on your list, is he? No, no. As far as Tone goes, I mean, really, that he led to the direction of DC Comics when he took over really led to me getting uh, out of comics for a while. I mean, for quite a long time. Uh, I mean, there was a point where my pull list, I had about 15 DC titles. I mean, I was spending a lot of money on DC Comics at the time and just notice the quality going down and, and, uh, you know, back then with the trade journal being wizard, you know, having to follow, um, you know, the Dio's, 
basic philosophy on comics. I mean, you know, he uh, what was that line saying? I, I believe it was, uh, you know, he's he's making comics for thirty five year olds, not for kids. Right, right. Like that like that, and um, and, and you know, and that's fine, but that's not what why not necessarily I want uh, childlike content, but you have to remember. For me, comics were always the the purpose for comics. The role that they played in my life was to inspire, and there wasn't a lot of that in uh, the Dio's DC universe. There yeah, really yeah. wasn't in, in the stories. It was, uh, yeah. and I think Identity Crisis for me because I left it right at that around around that time. That kind of um, was the uh, kind of indicator of where DC Comics was headed. Um, you know, that series really turned me off. I, I didn't really, uh, like the tone. I didn't like what it did to characters, um, or, you know, how it kind of, um, it, it kind of, it kind of ruined the mythology that, uh, of the comics that, the DC comics that I read when I was a kid. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's too little too late, but, uh, his departure for me, it makes me want to get, you know, start reading DC Comics again. Yeah. You know, what I'm really interested in, there's so much that's been planned. Do you remember, we've talked about on the show before that you know DC was going to realign their entire continuity, make Wonder Woman the first character, the first hero of the DC universe, do these five generations, or what they're calling their five, DC's 5G. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the Dio's baby. Uh, I'm already hearing things are shifting quickly. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But I do have a little bit of speculation. Uh, Jeff Loeb needs a job. So um, <laughs> I liked his run on Superman Batman. So <laughs> um, I, I heard for sure that it's not going to be Jeff Johns, though. Well, I didn't think it would be Johns. They've been kind of pushing Johns out for a while, I think. Yeah. It's the same thing, same same tone issue that I have with with Johns that I do with the uh, Dio as well. So, um, I, I really don't. Oh, gosh, but yeah, but what what I'd heard about and what I've done as far as research goes, um, I mean, I hear that the entire DC publishing line is really based on the success of whatever the next multi uh, mul- uh, big comic event is. And if, if that fails, they're, they're considering getting rid of the entire publishing line. Yeah. Yeah, Warner's not happy right now. And we and I know Jamie and I have talked about that on the show before. You know, Warner doesn't really know comics. They don't really worry about comics. AT&T definitely doesn't. Uh, so they're like, where's the money? <laughs> yeah, they've already got the IP for the movies. Why do they need the comics yeah. for it? Right. And whether or not AT&T will see the the reasoning of, of having a lost leader in order to uh, to really develop the stories to be a petri dish for stories and ideas for them to use in other mediums and that's what Marvel's been doing with some success so um, you know almost everything that they that happens in MCU uh, in their movies you know has its roots in in print so uh, you know losing that may well I don't know if anything that they do can really hurt DC movies because it's not a starting place <laughs> as far as creative direction goes. So eighty <laughs> four. Yeah. I like Shazam. I that, that mall is actually 
um, one that was in Alexandria, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now a dead mall, but it's um, I, I used to work in that mall over the summers, so <laughs> I'm pretty excited to see what they're doing. And Jim, uh, one of Jim's um, honorary nieces. Nephews? Yes. Is uh, one, of, an the, is one of the extras. He's going to be a breakdancing extra in, in the movie. So, so that's kind of exciting. So yeah. Wonder Woman 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll stay awake during this Wonder Woman as opposed to fall asleep in the last one. Oh. <laughs> oh, I cried during that movie because it's so beautiful. I really did. It's... You're, you're starting from such a low bar. We <laughs> are movies. It's such a standard. So anything that. But it was so beautiful. Yes, as as opposed to the the, the as opposed to the body of work. Yes. Well, guys, I think it's time to pick up the pace a little bit and go to the rewind. And um. So long-time listeners will know that we recently did a retrospective on the Clone Wars. And um, probably also remember I haven't watched much of it. <laughs> so I haven't been watching Season 7 on Disney Plus because I'm not caught up. So, uh, Dwayne, what, what have been your, what's your impression of the new season? Well, Jamie, uh, good for you. The entire first six seasons are available <laughs> on Disney Plus. So you can get caught up. That's right. Uh, but uh, who would have thought a streaming service would bring back appointment television? They're dropping these just like uh, you know you would see on TV, just like they did with The Mandalorian and their other original shows. You know, one one per week. It's glorious. It takes the tone of the show as it has grown and just expands upon it. Uh, answering lots of questions, putting out a lot more questions in these first two episodes. Uh, We start off with the Bad Batch, a a group of clones who were, they they tried to toy a little bit with their genetics, and they didn't quite turn out fully baked. (laughs) (laughs) But they are amazing. And the cool thing about that is, with this Bad Batch, is it kind of alludes to some of the novels that it seems like Disney is, is pulling from, you know, some of the old canon uh, you know, in the, in the clone novels, there was a group called the Nulls. They were the first round of clones. They tried to make them stronger. They tried to make them faster. They tried to make them smarter. They wound up crazier. No one could control them but this one guy. And it's kind of like what we see with, with this small group of clones is they're just kind of their own little thing. And uh, it really takes a tone. And it, it even grows the animation, looks, looks I think, a little bit better than it did even after the the – uh, the switch that they did in, in season three, uh, but uh, yeah, Sam, I know you've seen it an episode or two. What's what's your thoughts? Uh, you know, I've watched the first episode at this point, uh, the Bad Batch. It was just so great to see those characters. Um, you know, it, it's definitely going more into the clones right now, which I believe was what they did in the first episode with Yoda, and it was mm-hmm. Yoda interacting with the clones in, in the original season one. So the fact that we kind of get that. Um, I love the fact, like you said, it's it's appointment television again. So we're going to get 12 weeks with our finale on May 8th. So it's going to continue on through May 8th. There's a lot, lot of Clone Wars. I'm not going to get caught up in time. 
<laughs> but at least it'll all be on Disney Plus, Jamie. Yeah, I won't so. catch that live though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at least at least it'll be there, and uh, you know, and it's something I'm glad to see that they're bringing back, and uh, you know, making available along with Resistance Rebels and the uh, and the movies. And we've got another item on the list here, and I'm glad that Jim and Heather are with us because I think um, the three of us hosts are almost at a loss here. So uh, we're going to talk about the My Hero Academia movie that Jim and Heather have seen. Yes, we saw it last night at the uh, in Charleston um, at the revamped um, uh, South, yeah the Marquee. Uh, so we we saw it in reclining seats and uh, big bushy. Uh, lazy boy type seats in and the very first row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Out. a lot of kids came out to see this movie. And I was that was the only place we could sit together. Yes, oh, well. they have reserved seating. And um, you kind of help have to help us navigate because I don't know if, if this is going to be spoiler talk or if just want to talk want us to talk about it in general. But um, probably in general, be based. The impression that I got from this movie. I was thinking about this the entire time I was watching this movie. This it's it's such simple storytelling. Um, uh, you know, you have a group of kids that are training to be heroes, and they are learning what it takes to be a hero. And it's what's missing. It's what was missing in the last ten years of DC Comics. It was uh, something that um, you know that that's the most important thing. To these characters is how to be an effective hero. What makes a hero? How to you know, and that's what they want to be, and they're showing you on screen, you know, the process of how to get there, and or you know, or at least the struggle to get there. And um, one of the things, without going too much into detail, this is kind of like a final battle type movie, uh, even though it doesn't end the story whatsoever. But uh, reading an article last night in a review, uh, the creator of the show decided to use a lot of the ideas in this movie that he was saving for the you know, near, for uh, the end game for uh, for my hero academia so and you'll notice a lot of those elements but really um, it, it's more of Deku's journey uh, on becoming a hero and and pushing it to the limits where even diehard fans you know the, the teenagers around us were in tears they were in tears about some of the decisions that were made. Uh, and some of the effects of those decisions, and there were some very audible um, expletives, expletives um, when that movie was taking place. It was heartfelt. It was people caring about a subject matter and characters that you don't see in a lot of movies. You know, you don't see wow. them when you go. I mean, there were. I mean, we could hear kids sobbing behind us. Uh, it was it was that intense and. Um, but what it comes down to is just basic, simple elements of storytelling and not getting too complicated. I think that's something that happens too much uh, in mainstream superhero uh, content, that sometimes it's just, you know, what does it take to save the day? You know, what do you have to do to, you know, to resolve this problem, to uh, get innocent people out of danger, how to defeat the villain? You know, what does it take internally to do that? And it was just an amazing, and that's really the focus of the last 45 minutes of that movie is, is just watching kids who are supposed to be 15, 16, uh, go through those I decisions. Well, regardless, go through those decisions. 
And, no, and it's very, very it is very dramatic and very impactful. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons it's so popular because it does resonate, uh, well, especially with kids that are trying to that are going through their own uh, formation. I think it has a legitimate sense of joy, and I mean every moment is well thought out. Uh, there, I don't think there's an, an unnecessary moment of screen time on there. Mm-hmm. And they, well, they, get, they get ensemble storytelling right. Just one last bit. They get ensemble storytelling right because uh, there is a cast of about 20 people, you know, 20 characters. And they make sure, every, they, they, the filmmakers understand that everyone has their favorite, just like any of us would have our favorite if it were a group like the Avengers or something. So everyone gets at least a little bit of, gets their moment to shine. It's not just a vacuum. Well, we're, um, we're big fans of giving things grades. So just what, what, what grade would you all give? Yeah, the new movie. Oh, so hard. It, it's hard because it, you know it's with, with I'm it. not impartial about this. Yes. <laughs> no, I've been watching My Hero Academia as a anime, not the manga, but just the anime since before they started as uh, uh, dubbing it. So I mean, I've been okay. So, I mean, and I, I was watching it with my um, my anime club. I had an anime club at the time. So, they picked it, and then they just loved it. And I was like, okay, I kept up with it. Yeah. All right. What, 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 what was your grade? I give it a... Uh, I give it a 95. Okay. 95? Okay. And see, I, I grade on such a, a tougher curve. Because um, I've heard some of your uh, grades on certain movies like um, Star Wars, and, uh, the, the most recent Star Wars and the Harley Quinn. And I'm like, hmm, I'm glad I wasn't on those. I'm glad I wasn't. <laughs> um, the, the only problem I had with the movie is the problem I have with a lot of anime uh, that, that involves battles. Because anytime there's a there's the, the heroes versus the boss, there are really no rules to explain why people are winning and why people are losing. They just are. You know, you, and they, dramatically, they, they tell you, um, you know, what, what stage it's in. You know, is the hero at its last gasp or, you know, it, but it, it's, the, the battle doesn't seem consistent, but it doesn't matter because dramatically well, it works. part of it is that heroes and villains, they showed you what their limits were. Yes. And but, they hit. But I'm talking about really, yeah, I know. But I'm like anime in general, like watching Dragon Ball Z, you always know why someone's winning in those big fights. You know, and that's what I'm trying to explain. Um, it just in it, it draws in the fight. Because Majin Buu has to turn people into candy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. well, Jim, if you want, you plus. can just think that's about it for a minute, and we'll cut, come back. Cut it short. B plus. There we go. B plus. Okay. B-plus. okay. Well, um, our next item and our last news item of the week is Superman Red Sun is now an animated feature. And I think Sammy may be the one who's seen this. Um, so, you know, Superman Red Sun, you know, D- DC and Warner Animation have been doing these animated features for a while now. Um, they've adapted some of their, their most popular storylines, some to better effects than others. Um, and I'm sure Heather will agree with the killing joke especially there was probably one that stuck very wrong with her. Me too. I know. Uh, 
exactly. Ooh. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about as a Batgirl fan. Um, so others have been more on the mark. So now what we're going to get, speaking of Mark, is Mark Millar's Elseworlds Superman Red Sun. So for more of you Marvelites out there, Elseworlds were just kind of like the what if in the DC side of things. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, you can get it. Jamie gets it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, they were really well done, though. They really were. They were. Yeah. Uh, and this one is, what if Superman was raised in Stalin's Soviet Union? So what if Baby Cal had landed in Russia instead of Kansas? Mm. Um, is kind of the basis of this. And one of the things that really got me is Jason Isaacs is doing the voice of Superman. So, um, you know, Malfoy... Uh, you know, Daddy Malfoy here is hopping in as Superman. Uh, he's also done some Batman. Uh, but then you've got, like, Phil Lamar coming back to do Jon Stewart. Uh, you got Phil Morris doing Jimmy Olsen. And then Dietrich Bader doing Lex Luthor. So I'm looking forward to this. Now, I know Jim and I have talked. We both read this back in the day when it first came out in terms of uh, a limited prestige series. So, Jim, what do you think about this? What did you think about the original story? How well, do you I feel think, they're going to go with this? The thing about Elseworlds were they were all. I mean, until until the rest of the comic book industry caught up with this type of storytelling, usually in Elseworlds you would find uh, a lot of shock value, a lot of heroes doing things that you would never expect them to do, things that you wouldn't see in, in comics. Um, and it was very usually the storytelling was fairly brutal, and um, that's that was the lasting impression I had uh, when I first read Red Sun. And um, you know, and, and you have to give it to Millar; he was in that run of uh, authority, and then uh, he had he had his time with DC, and then later the Ultimates and the Ultimate Universe. And um, you know, seeing him seeing him play with some of the uh, the flagship characters of. of you know, major companies is, is kind of amazing when you think about it right now and what, you know, really his work, um, you know, 10 years later, it's kind of amazing. So is it not out yet? It is available for digital download. Okay. And then March 17th, it'll be available at Redbox and Blu-ray. So for that week, you will see it in keeping up in the caverse, obviously for our Redboxing. Uh, so. oh, and uh, one thing, it, it doesn't just involve, you know, versions of Superman. It, 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 there is a DC universe uh, there that uh, you yes. know fans of, of of the major DC characters might want to check it out to see what happens um, to their um, yeah to, to the counterparts in the story. Yeah, so you'll have more of like Russian Batman, and uh, you know Lex Luthor is the American hero. So it, it's very <laughs> much a twist. Uh, so. <laughs> Well, speaking of things that got twisted recently, it's time for Trelawney time. Dad, what time is it? It's Trelawney time. It's Trelawney time. It's Trelawney time. It's Trelawney time. It's time to make a prediction. Baby, don't you whine. It's Trelawney time. It's Trelawney time. And the twist is that I've been doing well. <laughs> well, Jamie, uh, you, you've uh, you found your stride, I believe. 
uh, uh, last Trelawney time we were uh, dis- uh, looking at Call of the Wild, uh, Harrison Ford and the Digital Dog. Yes. <laughs> um, I really, on and Chewy for the real world. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted this thing to do well, being such a beloved story, uh, 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 especially even of mine. Uh, Jamie, you had predicted this thing at a 65. You're kind of a pessimist, I thought. Sam uh, shot midway at 76, and I was uh, an optimist at 82. Well, the cold hard truth, Rotten Tomatoes has given this thing a 62%. So, Jamie, you were closest, even though you went a bit over. uh, That's what, three weeks in a row? I'm telling you, man, on a roll. I've got this figured out. (laughs) So uh, grumpy, uh, grumpy Harrison Ford uh, <laughs> for the win there for Jamie with the sixty-five. Uh, so, so essentially, Jamie, Jamie's channeling True Lonnie's divination powers when he's doing this, right? <laughs> so you're reading the tea leaves. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm you. I'm usually wrong, but once in a while. That's well, what Trelawney does, it right? <laughs> this fantastical fairy tale world where Jamie keeps getting it right. <laughs> Disney Pixar is bringing us a movie set in a fantastical fairy tale world that the magic's kind of moved on. We see uh, Disney Pixar's Onward, starring Spider Man and Star Lord themselves, Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. <laughs> Well, we've got uh, Jim and Heather, our special guests this week. Would y'all want to go first for your uh, Trelawney time predictions for Onward? Yeah, we're talking about Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, yes. I don't know. The The problem I have with, with Onward is that the, the characters just look creepy. You know, I don't... I, they're not <laughs> and, and, you know, if you sit through a movie where the characters just don't... Their design isn't that great. It's going to have a negative impact i think on on the critics so i'm gonna go like 65 that low yes okay um i put it more around 88 Mm. well Well, i'm just saying i think that it's gonna have the same kind of draw that say something like inside out did Hmm. Inside out out of the box and um it also pixar and I think, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to have the same emotional connection that Inside Out did. But um, I, I think it's going to be pretty good. Uh, that does seem more like a DreamWorks property. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit. I, I agree entirely. What are you, what are you guys saying? All right, I'm going to go with 78%. Okay. So, you know, I think that the fact that it's Disney Pixar will, will draw people in. I think we'll have a, a good opening weekend, especially with younger kids, families, things along those lines. Um, so I think I'm, I'm going to go 78. It may dwindle as it goes along. It may start out stronger and then start to crest a bit, but we'll see. You know, I think I agree with Heather. You know, Inside Out was kind of kind of came out of left field and really surprised a lot of people. Uh, and it's it's one of my favorite Disney Pixar's now, uh, just because of the heart of that movie. All right. Um, well, I'm so enthusiastic about this one that I'm going to go with a 59. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think this. I get kind of a good dinosaur Cars three vibe off of this one. So. 
so. <laughs> you didn't like Spot? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're looking at the occasional Pixar dad here. 50. Yeah. Yeah, I am normally such a Pixar super fan. Um, I, I enjoyed The Good Dinosaur. Uh, uh, Cars 3 was not great. I don't <laughs> enjoy that one. But now I'm I'm kind of more in uh, in Jim and, and uh, Jamie range with what my feelings are of this. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm with Heather. It looks like a, a DreamWorks property. It does not look the quality. That I'm that I'm used to seeing from Pixar with story or character design, um, but with this being a prediction, I'm going to gaze into my crystal ball and think what the Rotten Tomatoes will do with the Pixar. So I'm I'm going um, to split uh, Sam and Heather there with an 84, I think. Okay, that percent right. right there in the middle. All right, another win for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as Jamie struggles to fit his head into the room, (laughs) uh, we would like to uh, encourage everyone to please follow HerdCon on Facebook. Make plans to come out to the show. Support this great local con if you're anywhere near the Huntington area or can be available toward the Huntington area on March the 14th and expect to have a great time. You get also, you get to meet every bed for children. <laughs> but you get to meet every single person that was on this podcast in person. That's and right. We'll all be there. Uh, we will all be there. We've all made arrangements with uh, with our works and families and things, and uh, and just can't wait. And uh, hopefully there will be some really neat things happening uh, and lining up over the next couple weeks for us as a show, for you as a community, and for fandom in general. Jamie, until we meet again at the Roundtable or at HerdCon, how are we going to do it? We're going to keep it nerdy.